prayer recorded on a Varric grave in Senya. When a remnant demands beauty, give your eyes so it can see its land. When a remnant demands expression, give your tongue so it can speak. When a remnant demands knowledge, give your thoughts so it can understand. When a remnant demands service, give your body so it can act. When a remnant demands certainty, give your spirit so it can judge. When a remnant demands death, give your life so it can be put to a higher purpose. Welcome to These Flimsy Rituals, a narrative-focused role-playing podcast telling small stories in big worlds. I'm your host, Adam Dixon, and today we're continuing our campaign of The Tiding. Joining me today is Ryan Evans. Hi, I'm Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at BrainXray. Steve Martin. Hey, I'm Steve, and I've got a brand new bike today. Yay. It's very exciting. Um, and, oh yeah, Twitter, uh, at purple underscore Steve. And another person with a new mic, Elizabeth Simones. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. You can find me on Twitter at Games. And Thryn Henderson. Hi, I'm Thryn, and you can find me at Thryn. Awesome. So let's kick off from where we were last time. So Belka, you are off exploring the graves in the woods of Senya, and you'd ended up in front of uh, one of the tombs, which is like a Varric tomb, which are a group of people that are devoted to understanding the remnants. And while you were there, um, Callan stumbled across you and you had a conversation with him. And I think it was like he's just about to open up. I think he said something like, I'm not sure how we made it out of there. I guess not all of us did. And just as he says it, just as like you feel like he's going to open up, he glances up and you follow his eyes and you see two figures um, stood on a ridge, maybe like 20 meters from where you are now. It's not particularly high, maybe like six or seven feet up. And there's like a crack in the earth where um, some of like the graves and tombs have kind of like fallen in over time. And on the top of that ridge are two figures. I'll describe them to you. Um, the first is like a statue. Um, it's maybe about eight or nine feet tall. It is made of pristine white marble unlike everything else in this area. Like, all, there are statues around, but everything else kind of has greened and, like, greyed with age and has, like, vines and moss growing on it. I think at the minute it is, uh, I, I think it's, like, taken a female form uh, with, like, long flowing robes and, like, its hair kind of goes into, like, a, a bun that's surrounded by, like, a laurel. And it's standing there with a pose, like, one, like, hand on its hips and the other one is, like, very... Like, almost comically, exaggeratedly, like, hand over its eyes as if it's scanning the horizon. The one thing that is, like, weird about the statue, or the one thing that is particularly weird about the statue is its face. Most of it is normal, like, human face, as if it's been sculpted that way, but then it sort of, like, cracks down the middle, and you can see the skull underneath. Um, I think a good reference here is the sculptures of Taiji Tayamote. And then the second figure uh, seems to be like almost like it's half made out of bushes and plants and half made out of like human. It's a little bit shortened statue. It has like a load of flowers kind of blooming along its body. I think like annihilation is like an influence here. And I think that like it's almost like constantly moving distinctly from the statue, which is kind of very still like where the plants are growing and what kind of plants they are is kind of constantly shifting. Callan picks up his spear and like moves to like stand in front of you. Uh, are you carrying any weapons, Belka? 
I am absolutely not, no. Cool. Uh, I think because of that, he kind of like moves to stand in front of you and says, get behind me. Uh, what do you do? I do not get behind him. I want to stand to the side. This looks extremely interesting. Are you like approaching them or like saying anything Aren't to they them? up on a ridge? Yeah, like 20 meters. Away. It's only like maybe like six feet high or something. I'm still not climbing that, no. <laughs> they can come to me. Okay. Do you say anything to them? Hello. Like the voice, the first voice seems to come from the statue and says like, good. And the second seems to come from the bushes and just goes, they. Okay. Cool. Are you saying anything else? Like, Kellen, like, has just, like, kind of moved alongside you, I think, at this stage, like, after you refused to, like, go behind him, and he's kind of, like, stood as if to protect you. I haven't been particularly aggressive. Uh, the statue says, may we? And then the, the one that formed the bush says, approach. Uh, was going to say, you, and then look really expectantly at Callan. And then after about 35 really awkward seconds, be like, Fine. You may. Okay. Um, and, like, then they move towards you. I think, like, they move kind of differently. I think, like, the statue almost sort of, like, like, folds back into stone and, like, reforms maybe, like, five meters in front of you. And, like, is now has, like, a masculine form, like, dressed kind of piratey and, like, roguishly. Um, and is kind of, like, bowing with two hands, like, presented in an open gesture. And as, as they appear, they say, Memento. And then the bush just kind of like moves and slivers along the ground, kind of like constantly forming and stepping and reforming, appears alongside the statue and says, Maury. I'm assuming those are their names. Those are their names. I love it. Excellent. <laughs> Sorry, Callan, who won't finish my sentences. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to do the same bow thing, I guess. Yeah, uh, I think like the statue reforms and is like, almost has like a pleased crossed hands like in front of it. We noticed you travelling through our lands, and yet, you do not offer tribute. Uh... Perhaps, we were wondering, you seek to offer those with you, those that are dying. No, I don't think so, no. Caroline's definitely like bristles at this, like, no. Okay, well, let's, let's put a soothing hand on Caroline. And I think Belka probably just shakes their head rather than saying anything. Because I don't want to offend them, but also definitely not, no. Um, I think, like, the statue moves into, like, like a questioning, like, pondering pose. Then what do you suppose will you offer our remnant? What does your remnant like? Belka frantically looking round for Vems. <laughs> yeah, where is Vems? Um, I think they they seem to like look really happy at this. Um, well, it just seems polite to ask what it might want first. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I think the statue reforms is now like a little kid, jumping excitedly. An inscription of a grave not seen for millennia. And then the bush like kind of answers and says, A death mask of an uncrowned queen. And then like, it, like they kind of keep going backwards and forwards. A lock of hair from a dead lover that a questing adventurer seeked to resurrect. 
the bone of a dead remnant. And, like, they're, they're kind of getting more and more excited as they're doing it, and then, like... Belka has been very into this, um, and has been looking pondering, but I guess excited equally as they go on, and then kind of holds up a hand to, to stop them for a minute and says, um, Would it take a dead name? How dead? Well, that is an interesting question. Completely, one could argue, and yet not completely. So there is grief attached to this name. I think Belka laughs in a way Callan has never heard them laugh before, and it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, Callan is definitely stood through all of this, like, just not really sure what to do. Like, you can tell he's, like, half afraid and half just wanting to fight and half just hoping that you'll come up with an answer that means that he doesn't have to. So dead it never was, and yet still walking. Would that please them? I mean, the statue reforms. Um, they're not, like, no longer a child. They're, like, almost like a four-legged human, uh, like, crouching, and, like, they've got, like, one ear, like, held, cupped. And, like, the bush sort of, like, almost forms close, as if to hear the, hear the answer. I mean, they want you to whisper it. Okay, well, I'm gonna get down and whisper Belka's old name to whichever one is the statue one. Is the statue Memento? Yeah, the statue's Memento and the bush is Mori. Belka is gonna give their old name to Memento. Okay, um, so I think this is a maybe a move we've never done before. So this is the offer tribute move, which is when you offer worthy tribute in exchange for a promise, boon, or something of value, roll. On a 10+, plus, your tribute is accepted, and you get what you ask for. On 7-9, to nine, it comes with demands, compromise, or the conditions are changed. Um, so I guess um, it's worth considering what the promise or something of value is. Like, I assume it's safe passage makes sense here? Yeah, I think Belka is probably hoping out for friendliness, but safe passage is more useful. Okay, um, how are you feeling right now? Um, that's leading me down the spike zone, but I think, unfortunately, probably sad. Oh, like, no. this is all very interesting and exciting, but they did have their nice conversation with Callan interrupted, and that conversation had been following a minor breakdown about their existence, and now they're having to, like, give away the thing that they sort of miss a lot and also hate very much to a stranger, so. Fair, fair. Um, so... Does this make you spike? No, it doesn't. I'd be on three, I think. Okay, cool. Um, make your roll. Wow, that's 11. Woo! Oh, nice. yeah. That is 11. Nice. The only good roll all night. Yeah, that's that's it for me. I'm done now. So, yeah, I, I, I think the statue kind of, like, reforms, so it's doing a bow. I think, like, the two things merge together. So the statue bows, it is this tall humanoid with like long horns, and then like the bush kind of sweeps over it. The stone starts to like yellow and age, and the vines from the bush kind of start to grow and like form cracks in the statue, and then all of the life seems to be gone. The statue is still there, but they are not. Oh. Bucker's gonna kind of touch the statue on the face a bit sadly, and then shrug, I guess. But yeah, your tribute is definitely accepted. Excellent. And I think, like, 
that that request of friendliness is fully there. Like I imagine if you interact with them again or like any of uh, the, the remnant is called Doya, I imagine any of their kind of envoys, then you'll probably be acting in good faith. I doubt they're still in there, but Belka is nothing if not polite to strangers, so they are going to say thank you to the statue and do a little bow and then turn to Callan and uh, I think there's a, a very tense like just minute of silently staring at each other while they process all the things that just happened before Belka says perhaps we should return Callan sort of like pulls his cloak tighter and nods awesome uh, so let's go back to like the caravan I think we left off with Charla having had like a very scary conversation with Strail maybe like weird conversation definitely unsettling yeah <laughs> what, what are your plans so because this happened at, in the middle of the night yeah, I think so. Like, it's maybe like two, three in the morning. Yeah, so it happened in the middle of the night. So Chala tries to kind of sleep. It doesn't ha- work very well, but decides that she'll deal with things in the morning. Wakes up unreasonably early, goes and finds Corrin, shakes, shakes him awake and says that they need an adult now. And kind of drags him off to go find Vens. So you're looking for Vens? Yeah. Okay, cool. And hopefully answers. Yeah. Is this around the time that uh, Briss has just had her conversation with, with Nilcat? Or is this like the next day? Yeah, so like that was probably in the evening. This is probably like the next day. Okay. Um, I think Briss has actually come back when uh, Nilcat left. She kind of wandered off for a little while, but didn't stay away. I think she came back to the the caravan. And I think she's actually nearby when Chala comes to um, to find Corrin. Okay. And she might not hear the conversation, but sees them sneak off together. She's going to jump up, uh, like clamber out of from under her cloak and say, um, where are you two going? It's an emergency. We have to speak to Vens right away. What? what, Vens? Why Vens? You wouldn't understand. Um, I think Corrin's uh, like looking very like sleepy and sheepish right now. Like, like a little like he's not sure if he's doing something wrong, and also is a little bit too tired to work it out. (laughs) Corrin, what's she talking about? Hmm. Um, Are you trying to get the truth out of him? Yeah, absolutely. Can I do my guardian move, please? Yeah, I think this makes sense. I think this is a role. Because I can't tell whether he would try and be canny about it, or be honest. Uh, So, okay. So it's, I roll on on a 10 plus, I get 3, 7 to 9, I get 1. So How are you feeling? Right now, confused. Possibly a little bit angry. A little bit sort of frustrated with stuff that she... She doesn't like being told she doesn't understand things. (laughs) So... So confused would be like scared or or mad, I guess. So like somewhere between those two. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go mad. I think. Okay. Uh, what's your mad? It's minus one. Oh no! And that was that was bad. That was a six. So I get nothing. Uh, you do Perfect. mark XP and you mark the stat. Um, I think in Corin's head, he remembers telling you about like the trees and like other things and like you reacting badly. 
and like almost wants to sort of protect you from that or like protect himself from that and just goes, uh, um, I think Charla had a bad dream. Oh, um, but what, why? <sighs> okay, sure. Corin, we it, have it, to go. It was, it was about remnants. Oh God. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Fine. Um, look, Charla, if you still want to do the camping thing, I know, uh, a lot's changed since then, but I guess that's still on the table. If that's something, you know what, just, just go and do your dream thing. It's fine. I think Charla is not gonna, is gonna kind of light up. But not say anything, because Charla is so mad at Briss. But also, camping. <laughs> I'm kind of imagining a kid with like their arms folded across their chest, like being offered dessert. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, like, you're, you're the worst, but also I really want to do that thing. But I don't want you to know how much I want to go camping. Because you're the worst. I, I don't reckon... Would pick up on that. No. I don't think she realizes no. what's so. what sort of conflict she's just initiated. So yeah, Charla's not going to answer that right now, and is just going to say, "Corin, we have to go," and then kind of discuss with Corin after talking to Vend about the camping trip. Okay, uh, are you just letting him go, Briss? Um, yeah, I don't think she'd expect Corin to lie to her. So uh, yeah, it's fine. Just it's a dream. It's about weird stuff. Doesn't want anything to do with it. It's fine. Cool. Um, so you're going to go find Vens? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, so like Vens, where are you in the caravan? Like, I guess I'm calling it a caravan, but I don't think there are any carts anymore. It's just a a group of people walking through a, a forest. Um, but yeah, like, where are you? Like, are you are you asleep right now? Are you like exploring it? It's probably like. 5, 6 a.m., I imagine. I think Venz has always been, um, you know, an early riser, someone that gets up when the sun comes up sort of thing. Um, and I think he's just still been sticking to the fringes of the caravan, you know, and still not really with the group, you know, here by necessity sort of thing. So I think about this time, it's been up for a little while, maybe... Having a little wander around, looking to see if we can find any breakfast, something like that. Or, you know, see what you can learn about the area. Okay. Um, are you easy to find? I think probably. I'm not trying to hide, so I don't think it'll be difficult to find me. I wouldn't have gone far from the caravan. So you're looking for some breakfast? I think half looking for breakfast, half looking for information about the area. I think they're both priorities for him, so he's kind of treating them both half-heartedly, I guess. <laughs> half and half for each. Yeah, like, like you, you don't quite have the focus you need, I imagine. Like, I imagine, like, Vens is still quite lost, in a way. Yeah, I think, I imagine he's, one, time, one minute he's looking, oh, these could be mushrooms up ahead, and then all of a sudden he's like, ooh, this tombstone's really interesting. <laughs> Um, what sort of information are you looking for? I think probably about the remnant here. Okay. I think, you know, that's definitely something the Vens were trying to be find out about. Sure. I think maybe this is a move. Maybe this is a pay attention move, which is when you spend a moment to pay attention to the world around you, roll. 
on a 10 plus ask 3, on a 7 to 9 ask 1. When you act on an answer, take plus 1 forward. So I guess this is, is kind of still feeling maybe like confused or bewildered, that sort of thing. Just still kind of wandering around, just doing stuff almost by habit, I guess, rather than doing something on purpose. Sure. Uh, yeah, so I'll probably be rolling scared, I think, which is uh, my plus two. Plus two, nice. Um, Make your roll, I guess. Oh my god. Oh no. Like... I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, I rolled a five. Um, so you rolled a five, so mark XP and obviously mark the stat that you rolled in. Um, so one of the things that I think you have been very attuned to have been these trees, like the same trees that Corin picks up on. Um, they seem to have something like put in them. I think you're you're probably looking at some of these as as you're kind of wandering around, and it seems like they've got like pieces of souls buried inside them, and and like most of them are quite young. Um, I think they're like aging slower than a tree normally would. So even the oldest ones are kind of still half the height they'll grow to, kind of quite thin, lean young trees that the branches are probably no wider than a circle of your like fingers. Um, and as you walk around, you can just hear like noises coming from them like words and half words and like phrases in a different language i think it's quite distracting i think it makes it hard to pay attention to anything because you can just hear them like drowning out any thought you have (laughs) i don't think vens likes this very much no i can imagine not i think if anything it's like agitating him a little bit and he's just like maybe even talking to himself like come on you old fool just you could do this are you trying to work out what these things are, or are you just pointedly ignoring them? Uh, I think Vens would just be ignoring them at this point. Okay. Like, they're causing him too much of a distraction to even be thinking about what's going on with them. Sure, that makes sense. Like, these are probably, like, one in every 20 trees. Like, normally across the landscape, like, there are lots of them, but they're quite spread out. But I think, like, the area that the group has chosen to camp is probably quite heavy with them. Yeah. So, are you trying to resist them? Is that what's happening? Yeah, I think I'm just trying to sh- shake it from my head. You know, just get out of my head. I need to concentrate. Cool. Um, I think you're probably kind of sat trying to trying to drown out these voices when Charla and Corin turn up. If Charla doesn't say anything first, uh, Corin certainly like looks at you and says, "You can hear them too." I think Vens looks up at this point, looks straight at Corin and says, You can hear them? Corin nods. I, my sense is that everyone can hear them to a degree, but like a lot of people can probably like drown them out or like they're not as loud. It, it, it'd be like the wind rather than I think you can hear them like people talking. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, they're very loud. Oh, tell me about it. I can't tell what they're saying. I think that's because there's so many of them talking at once, Corin. If only we could get one by themselves. Can't you find a way? Maybe, but perhaps not here. I think Eva, I need some peace and quiet to think a little while. And then, like Corin, like looks around and like looks at you and looks at Charla and goes, "Charla wants to talk to you." 
has uh, this is just this is out of character at the minute, but has Ven's ever spoken to Chala before? I don't think so. I don't think we've ever actually talked. Has Ven spoken to Coin? That was established, right? Yeah, I think so. I think we obviously established that Fens knows that Corrin could be an unraveling. He has that potential. He definitely has that potential, yeah. So yeah, I think it makes sense for Corrin to kind of do that introduction. So, and we got there, and I just don't know how you start a conversation with, Hi there, person I've never met. I have a remnant inside me. Look at the shard in my eye. It's talking to me, and I don't like what it's saying. Yeah, I guess the question is, like, does Vens know? I don't know. Because Vens hasn't been there the entire time. Not, well, he's been there the entire time that the, the, the Strail's been with Chala, but not when Chala went and made a deal with, Ch- with Strail to bring people back from the dead. Um, and all of that stuff. So I didn't know if Vens would notice them as well. Can he, like, sense remnants when they're that close to him, even if it's a tiny bit of it? I mean, it's a question for Vens, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, like, it's definitely a sort of power, but I think for Vens, he has to be, like, tuned in to that remnant to sense them, if you know, if that makes sense. Sure. Okay. Obviously, like, in the situation just before that, I was imagining Vens trying to find out about this remnant, to maybe be able to make contact, you know? Sure. I think yeah. that that has to be made first before Vens can sense them or be able to communicate with them a bit more freely. That makes sense. Would yeah. you be able to, like, sense that something was different about Charla? Like, I'm just thinking, like, you've got a move that allows you to manipulate or take people's souls or, like, spirits a little bit. Like, I was wondering whether you'd be like, hmm, there's something different here. Yeah, okay, I think that definitely makes sense that yeah. Vens okay. can just perceive that there's that power there. Yeah, I kind of imagine it like seeing someone hiding behind some curtains or something. Like, they're, <laughs> they're, they're in a shape they shouldn't be, but like, you don't know why. You you don't know who's there or like what they are or, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I think that maybe once we get through this beginning conversation, I think it'll become a bit more clear to Vens. So yeah, Charlie, is that how you were starting the conversation? Just blurt everything out. I think so. I don't know how you do it coyly. That's probably not the right word. So yeah, so Chala, after Corin kind of nudges her and introduces her, looks at Vens and says, We have a pro- Well, I think it's a problem. I don't know if it's a problem. Um, do you remember the storm? Yes, uh, I mean, I was there. Um, <laughs> it was a pretty big storm. <laughs> well, the storm isn't gone. It is here. With me. I think Vens just kind of looks around for a minute, like, in the sky. No, 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 so no. Just... <laughs> and then Chala, like, points to her eye where the ice shard is and, like, just kind of, like, gestures, like, no, no, um, the storm, it, its name is Strail. I think Vens suddenly switches from like maybe a quizzical look to maybe something a bit more stern now, and like uh, maybe gets down onto like one knee and like puts his hands on Charles' head, like hands either side of the head just to like look at the shard. I think we also get like the comedic counterpart of like Corin just kind of like leaning over one shoulder to look as well. 
<laughs> yeah, like leaning out from the side of Vens just to like peer at the eye. Chala's just going to keep talking uh, while Vens is trying to concentrate on looking at the eye. So Strail was helpful and then was scared and then needed an escape and now stays with me. But I'm worried. Does Ven see anything when he looks at the shard? Yeah, it's maybe like two-thirds of like an iris. It's just kind of like this... It's just kind of like a really frosty colour. Like, maybe there's like a slight bit of blue, but it's like mainly quite clear. I imagine... Like, I've I've been picturing it that it just... It looks like ice. Yeah, like, like a lake of water frozen over. Okay. I don't think Ven's has seen this before. No, probably not. I don't, I don't think this is, like, a common thing at all. I don't think Ven says that, though. I don't think he says that out loud to Chella. I don't think he'd really want them to worry. I think after a few more moments of silence and then listening to Chala still, like, blabbering on, like, I think, I imagine Chala telling the whole story, but, like, at a thousand miles per hour. And, and bouncing from thing to thing, going, oh, and there's this thing that happened when we were in the storm and we made this deal, and... Then talking about, oh, and when Strail and I joined, it was like a, a big whirlwind of ice all around the cavern, and it was gorgeous, but sad at the same time, and it apologized. Oh, but when Stop. we were- I think Vance just wants to listen for a minute and see if he can talk to Strail. Okay. Um, so how are you doing this? What was your action here? Can I, can I try and offer Strail tribute? Maybe. As my, like, my action? Yeah, so it'd be, like, offer worthy tribute? Like, what is, what do you think your worthy tribute is? Hmm. Perhaps information? Yeah, like, maybe information or, like, an offer of help? I I don't think Vens would initially want to help a remnant that's taken advantage of a child, but more rather offer up some information that they might think is useful, but isn't that actually useful. What do you think the information is? Maybe of like a like a remnant body that Strail could inhabit that would be a bit more suitable for it. Like a, an empty remnant. You mean the Sharrow? Yes, the Sharrow. <laughs> um, yeah? Like, well, well, let's see. Let's see whether that is worthy or not, because I'm like a bit 50-50. Yeah, okay. I may be, like, offering that information, but more mainly I just want to make contact. So are you saying who it is, or are you saying, like, I, I can offer you this? I think Vens is just, like, you know, coming out and saying, like, Strail, I, I wish to come here and I need to, I need to know what you're doing here. Why are you in this child? There is no answer. I can kind of, like, imagine, like, Charla giggling a bit, because you're probably just, like, looking at her really intensely. I say, as Charla's just going to look at Vens, kind of disappointedly, Strail doesn't just answer all the time. It's just like, why doesn't Vens know this? Yeah, that makes sense. I think, obviously, now that Strail hasn't answered, Vens is going to offer up a bit more and just say, surely the body of a child isn't enough for you. There's possibly a body of a remnant that could be much better for you. Okay, roll. 
Um, so when you offer worthy tribute in exchange for a promise, boon, or something of value, roll. On 10+, plus, it's accepted, and you get what you asked for. On 7-9, to nine, it comes with demands, compromise, or the conditions are changed. Um, how are you feeling? I think Venz is feeling, um, like, useful again. Like, suddenly, like, oh, hey, Venz knows about this. This is something he could help with. So I'm going to go with powerful. Okay. An eight. I rolled an eight. Um, so your tribute is accepted, but it comes with demands. Uh, let, let me think about this one. Yeah, 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 that's fine. Um, so I know Chala talked a mile a minute, but one of one of the main reasons that Chala went over to talk to Vend was about the fact that Strail wants to talk to all of those people. But I imagine yeah. in the excitement, Chala hasn't actually mentioned that yet. Um, I, I think that's the thing that comes up. Like, in my mind, there are, like, two possible demands. One of them is whether Strail wants, like, knows what Vence is and wants Vence's service, but I don't think Strail is there yet. I don't think they would straight up ask that. They're definitely scared. I, I think what actually happens is the same, it's the same request that Strail made to Chala. So yeah, how does Strail communicate this, do you think, Charla? Strail did ask to be able to use my voice. Yeah. So is it is it that way? I would really like it if it was the Ice Ferret, but with my voice as well. Yeah, that's really nice. I like that. So like the, like so when Strail's talking, the Ice Ferret is always there, like on Charla's shoulder, whether it's to Charla or to someone else. But if it's to someone else, Strail has to use Charla's voice. Um I don't think you necessarily see, like, Strail come from Charla this time. I think what we see, what Venz feels is, like, it suddenly feels quite cold. Like, you get this shot of, like, Venz breathing and, like, there being, like, a mist of air. And you can, like, feel wind start to move around you and, like, you can hear cracking as, like, the branches of trees start to ice. And you can see Strail circling around the edge of, like, the clearing of trees that you're in. I, I think it, like, has Charla's laugh and does that a couple of times. Oh, good. And then, and then goes. Savelle. Venrin. Bring them. Why do you need more people? Bring, Bring them, them, and you'll, you'll see. see. Uh, is Charla saying anything or reacting to this in any way? Okay, so Charla's going to look very seriously at Vent and say, "This is what Strail asked last night. Those are the two... I ask Strail to save. I think Venz isn't really interested in helping out Strail. I think at this point, this is just confirmation of that Charla was telling the truth more than anything, that this is all real. Okay. So I think Venz is done with this conversation with Strail. Whatever Strail wants, he doesn't care. What does Venz want? Um, I think Venz is just wants this conversation to be over. And maybe just pipes up and just says, oh, I'll see what I can do. And like, let's go of Charla and stands up. So I think the thing that we didn't do last session, uh, because we wanted to have this conversation first, was um, Charla, were you planning to resist Strail? Because like, Strail used their bonds on you, right? Uh, to, to ask you to do this thing. Are you going to go ahead with it or are you going to resist? Um, so 
the last session, well, basically, Chala hadn't made up her mind. Okay. And wanted to talk to an adult. Because yep. um, Strail asked to meet them the next night. So Chala's trying to figure out what they what, what to do before nighttime. Yes. And then potentially do they resist then? Are you any closer to solving that? Or do you want Vens to say some more? I, I want to be able to talk to Vens. And if Vens is not useful, then go find a better adult. Fair. Savage. <laughs> um, Charles' opinion of adults, well, mostly because the only uh, adults that have been around have been, well, Briss. So it's not very high. I mean, that's fair. I think we... I think we cut back to the shot of like Ven's breathing and like the mist in the air, and like we get a couple of shots of like that mist, and then like on the third breath, there is no mist. The the clearing is like no longer frozen, and Strail is is gone. Should we leave this conversation for now and go to Briss, maybe, and come back to it in a minute? Sure. Yeah. So Briss, uh, what are you up to? It doesn't have to be the same time, I guess. Just generally. So after after Chala and Corin walk off, Briss kind of shakes off the the sleep and stands up and walks in the opposite direction, heading towards Vilter. Okay. Is Vilter awake when she gets there? Is, is Vilter one of the kind of early risers? Um, I don't think so at the minute. I think Vilter is still extremely ill. Like, I, I think everything, like, still takes a lot out of her. You know, she probably complains about it a lot. Like, she's just been ill and sleeping for ages, but she's still got no energy. Yeah, sure. Is is anybody else there? Ideally, I, I'd like to talk to somebody from the parish. What about? what? What's your intent here? So, I think Nilcat kind of got to her a bit with the, the, the talk about leadership and stuff, and... I think she wants to get a second opinion. <laughs> okay. And ideally, she wants to talk to Vilta, but if she's not awake, then if somebody's there and kind of breaking you know, breaking camp, then maybe she'll just chat to them. Anyone from the parish that she can yeah. talk to about Vilta. So would you prefer to have the conversation about Vilta or with Vilta? I think with Vilta would be more interesting. Okay, sure. So yeah, I reckon like as you approach, um, I imagine a lot of you are kind of sleeping in makeshift tents like using what few blankets you've got and like pieces of fabric to to make like bivouacs and, and find ways to like make some kind of shelter and i imagine especially in the case of the people who are kind of illest like they probably get priority with this a lot of people i imagine you in particular would be like sleeping out in the open yeah yeah definitely i'm used to it yeah so i think as you approach arkan is outside so arkan is uh Arkan is sort of the guardian of the parish. Um, she's a tall woman. Uh, she she's probably sat outside on like a crate or a box or like a, a stump of a tree, and she's probably like wearing her armor except on like her left leg, which is still wounded uh, from the caves, and it's probably like splinted. Um, and she's kind of probably has it like stretched out in front of her, um, and she's got probably like a sword in front of her, and she's probably just keeping a lookout. And yeah, she's she's tall, she's like like incredibly well built, and she has like bristles like all over her body, basically. And she looks at you as you approach. Is uh is Vilter awake? Come to talk to her. She probably spends like a few 
moments weighing you up. Like, I imagine it's like that sort of Western film cowboy look of just like looking you up and down and then nods and says, I'll wake her and like uses her sword to lead on to get up and like goes inside the shelter. Comes out a few moments later and like nods at you and says, you can go inside. Um, Brist does so silently, like gives uh, gives Harkin a, a little nod, but no more than necessary. Sure, and yeah, you you head inside, and I think Vilta is propped up on the tree that is like supporting this shelter, and she looks pretty tired, but like she she's ready to talk to you. I'm I'm sorry to to wake you up so early. It's. Uh... I need to be heading out, but I uh, I talked to Nilcat yesterday, and he had some some weird ideas about people looking up to me or that kind of thing. And it seems to me that's that's more your area. And then I was thinking about that, and why do they follow you, the parish? I mean, everyone. We're all following you. How did that happen? Even when you were asleep, we were still following your your vision, even if we didn't know what it was. How how did you make us leave our people? What's what's special about you? I think like Velta half smiles and it's like uh, like half smiles and says I'm not sure anything is. Not really. I I can listen to people and I can give them hope, I guess. That's all I've been trying to do. Most of the people that followed me were lost in some way. As I was lost when I left Sirasha. I think I'm just like the people that I lead. Look at the parish. Nilcat, well, he was a revolutionary and then was exiled from the place that he came from and I gave him something else to fight for, I guess. And But what? what? What is that? What are you what are you trying to do? What are you fighting for? I mean, that's your words. What are you what are you fighting? That thing under the mountain. I knew that it was going to wake up. I I I saw that and I tried to do what I could to stop it, to try and stop the people that were going to wake it up, and that didn't work. So the only other option was to was to come and face it myself, and I guess that didn't work either, but there's still us. We we can still try to do something, because if we don't, I'm scared of what comes next, or rather, I'm scared that there won't be a next. But Ubris, people do follow you, but they don't follow you for the same reason that they follow me. People follow me because they see someone like them, or they see... By trade, I'm a seer and a healer, and I think I'm able to help heal people, or help them be a little more whole, and I think that's why they follow me. And they follow your friend Jeddah, because she's like glue. She she holds everyone together. She reminds them of their shared purpose. And Dubris, people follow you because of your strength. Because you might not share it all the time, but you have a certainty. And at least when decisions need to be made, when they when they must be made, you seem to know what to do. And you seem to get it right. Well, until I don't, I guess, but yeah. Until you don't. <laughs> How is Briss feeling about that? Um, 
I think she's she kind of agrees with that to a degree. Um, I think she says, you know what the secret of making decisions is? You just bloody make them. Some of them are going to be wrong, some of them are going to be right. But you just just do it. And then you deal with the consequences. It's really not difficult. But I see what you're saying. It's really not difficult for you. For others, well, others have different strengths. I think these people will follow you and trust you for now, but I think you just need to accept that is why they're following you. And I think you just need to trust that you are the right person, that these people follow you for the right reasons. Yeah, well, talking about decisions, um, I might I might have to be a little bit distant for a couple of days. I made a promise, and it's not really the kind of thing I can go back on. I just need to... I need to go on a camping trip with Chala and Corin. I think Vilta smiles at that. Briss is looking... And then, and then says... Uh, very annoyed about that. It's okay. Everyone trusts you to make sure that we're safe. And I know that you wouldn't go away unless you, you felt that we were. I would ask a favour, though. Of course. We have a boy among the parish. I, perhaps you've met him, Fenrir. If you're taking the other two, could you take him? I'd have to run that past the boss. But yeah, of course. Cool. Um, I think that's seen. Uh, I think that is bond-worthy, so I think uh, you've got a bond on Vilta. Okay, sure. Um, so let's let's go back to Vent and Charla. Um, so yeah, uh, Strail has uh, disappeared from the conversation, like it's disappeared back into Charla, and you're both just kind of stood there, I guess, like blinking for a few moments. Did Corin seal this as well? Yeah, Corin was definitely like part of this. As in, saw Strail and everything that happened. Yeah, the, yeah. The frost and stuff. Okay. I I I think there's like no doubt in your mind that this was a real thing, but like it was definitely a thing that you three experienced. Whether, like no one else saw it, but whether they would see it, I don't know whether you'd know, but like definitely you okay. three in this clearing and everything in this clearing would, would have experienced that. What's on your mind right now, Venz? I think Venz is obviously worried. I think he knows that a remnant wouldn't put itself inside a human for no good reason. You know, there's definitely some ulterior motive there and something that they obviously didn't want to share with me and didn't want to share with Charler either, either the reason why they really need to be there. And that is really unsettling for Vens. I think he's trying to think of a way to <laughs> get Charler out of this situation, but obviously there's so many things running through his head right now. Is it just about, like, a promise that you'll be involved, maybe? How do you mean? As in, to help Charla? Is it just, like, if anything goes wrong, tell me? Is it that kind of thing at the minute, or do you have, like, a more concrete thing you want to do? I think it's more of a, I need to stay close to Charla for a little while. Sure. I think Venz needs to keep an eye on her and needs to make sure that he's there the next time Strail tries to make contact. Sure. Are you saying that to Charla, or is it just a thing in your own mind to do? I think that... I don't think he wants Charla to worry. I know, obviously, Charla has her own concerns about what's going on with Strail and everything, but I think that 
he's just going to like say to Chala that I'm glad you came to me about this and obviously you know I I've worked with remnants a long time we need to be very careful with this you need to stick with me okay I need to keep an eye on you has this happened before is this unusual <laughs> oh my god what does Ven say to that <laughs> I mean, so far, so far, Vens hasn't given Chala any new information, uh, and Strail hasn't said anything new either. So, I think Vens says, "I've not heard of something like this happening before," and I'll tell you the truth, Chala. I'm not going to lie to you, but we need to figure this out. There's no one else in this caravan that's going to help us. No one else among us has that knowledge. When I made the deal with Strail for the people, I all seemed to understand, or at least get angry. So he must have known something to be able to get angry. I think Vens thinks for. Yeah, so he's probably recognised that like he has some kind of powers, like like nothing like you have. Probably something more, something similar to like what a weaver would have. Like seems to have the ability to. Turn spirits to his whim a little bit, I guess, is the best way of putting it. It doesn't shock you that he'd be able to see this, but it kind of surprises you, if that makes sense. Like, it, you'd know it's not beyond his capacity, but also the fact that he can is something to take note of. I think Vence just says to Charla, the people from the parish, they do have great knowledge of the world and the things that are in it. They know that what you've done is a massive commitment and... Something I don't think you truly understand right now. But you have allowed extremely powerful being to take refuge inside your body. And I've never seen something with this power bond with something so small. I don't think even the parish can help us here. We need we need more information. We need to get more time. Okay. Well, what do we do about Strail's request. I think we'll learn a lot more about Strail if we don't do as it asks tonight. If we don't? So far Strail's been nice. I don't... Is that because you've done everything it's asked? Strail hasn't asked for much, but I've asked things of Strail, and I don't know. It didn't seem to be taking no for an answer, and I would want help. Charlie, you're, you are currently in control. You're in control of where Strail goes and what Strail does. Do you really think that these people that Strail have brought back from the dead, brought back from the inside of that storm, I, I don't think it will be good for them. Okay. Well... Hmm. Stick with me today and we'll we'll get through to tonight and we'll see what happens. We need to I'll be there with you. I won't let anything happen to you. Corin, you'll stay with us too, right? Uh Corin nods. Yeah. I'll stay. All night? All night. Okay, I think that's seen. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else. Um, so I guess the one thing that does trigger is Charla's bond move. Oh yeah! I have a bond on Vens. 
Yeah, when you show vulnerability to an adult, you're going to bond on them, right? Yes, that's correct. Oh man, does that mean I have to take Charlie camping now? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is what all those bonds are for, right? Just for camping. So, yeah, I I, I think the thing that I'd like to do though is maybe a Belka scene. So yeah, let's cut to Belka. Um, you've met Memento and Mori, and I think you agreed not to talk with Callan in a way. Like you kind of said, let's leave this. Is there anything you wanted to do before we kind of close? What might be interesting is I don't know whether, and I don't know whether this is necessarily the way to go, but Belka might try and talk to his parents. To Callan's parents? Yeah, or someone who knows Callan anyway. I would have said Verask, but he's like not really an option right now, right? Yeah, so um, the two people, I guess Callan, if not closest to, like are Callan's family that are still... I guess alive, yeah. (laughs) Um, Are Fra, who is his mum, who is like Ree's sister. Mm -hmm. And then there is uh, Sov, who is his sibling. They are like a very smart and private and quite curious person, my notes. Smart and curious, and not actively currently grieving a dead sister. So I think that's my choice. I mean, probably still grieving a dead sister. Oh, did he have a sister as well? Oh, okay. Yeah, Callan had a sister. Oh, okay, well then. Still my choice, but less Ooh. pumped about it now. So imagine like this is during the day after like you, you probably get back into the village. There's probably like an awkward scene in which like you and Callan go separate ways. Callan's probably gonna go like straight to Verask. Mm-hmm. And probably like looks at you and goes like, Should I hug Belka? And maybe just, like, reaches and, like, pats you on the back and then, like, just gruffly turns and leaves. We'll work on it. You, you can just, like, feel the second-hand embarrassment. Uh, yeah, so you go and find Sov, right? I don't know if they would be actively seeking them out, but maybe, okay. like, if they saw them talking to Kalan as they happened to go past and then there was a time when they were not with Kalan, it might be like, hmm. Yeah. Maybe they will know. I think what probably happens is Callan goes off to Verask, and like, as that happens, like Sov kind of comes the other way. Uh, so Sov is maybe like five six, five seven. Uh, they're quite slim with darkish skin and like very curly hair. Uh, like they're quite androgynous looking, I think. Um, and I imagine like it's probably daytime now, right? So they're probably yeah. wearing like, I think it's a veil that's kind of like done in patchwork. Like nice. I think. Their mum does a lot of crafting. It's probably like, well, a slightly embarrassing like gift that they got at like one festival or something. Yeah, and like they try to stop Callan and like, ask, Callan, are you okay? And like Callan just kind of like looks, stops for half an instant, and then just kind of continues on. Well, I don't think they're gonna greet Sov. I think they're literally the first thing they say is just, I think perhaps he has not been okay. For a long time. Um, yeah, you're, you're probably like, you're a little bit taller than Sov, right? So Sov yeah. probably looks up at you and says, you're, you're that one from the parish, right? The storyteller. I think, yeah, they'll, they'll accept it and nod and say, Sto- storyteller isn't wrong. But it's not right? Correct. I get that. I've seen you with Callan a couple of times. Uh, are you trying to help him? Yes. He is not one for being helped. 
I think like self like laughs at that and is like, yeah, I know. I think it kind of runs in the family. They're gonna lean in a bit closer and sort of a conspiratorial whisper ad. I embarrass him a lot, I think. That must be hard. He's so good at embarrassing himself. <laughs> like said with the love that only a sibling can I'd do. I like this one. Yes. Much easier to talk to than your brother. A rock is much easier to talk to than my brother. <laughs> I think Valkyrie is still laughing and says, I've talked to rocks and you are correct. At, at the very least, they don't answer back. Um, I think Belko's going to sit down, just like on the ground, clearly in a very let's you and I chat way. Um, yeah, like Sov sits on the ground. I imagine like this is like everyone's... We are super in the way. Yeah, this is still like the morning and everyone's getting ready to move sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and like you're probably in the way of a couple of people like, like I feel like Nilcat probably goes past like carrying some like heavy gear to get it ready. And, like, just, like, looks at you, goes to say something, then, like, thinks better of it. He knows you too well. And just, like, yeah, tuts and, and like, kind of edges around you. I think Sov is, like, sat cross-legged in front of you. Probably, like, both hands on the floor. It's just kind of waiting to see what you'd say. I think up until now they've been quite, like, friendly and comforting and jovial, but I think the next question is fairly... It's not, like, aggressive, but it's piercing, I guess. Um Okay. Belka literally just kind of stares them down and asks slash demands, what happened to him before? Before we were at Ninut. I I think this is a move of some kind. I think it's going to have to be, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to work out what this move is. So it, it could feasibly be read a person, I guess, which is when you read a person and their reactions roll on a 10 plus hold 3 and a 7 to 9 hold 1, and you get to ask them some questions. Or it could be manipulate, probably more likely manipulate, which is when you try to convince an NPC to do something you want, on a hit they do it and choose one, on 79 choose two. I think it's manipulate because I'm trying to leverage, like, I'm trying to help your brother and I need you to divulge some yeah. stuff. And kind of leverage your friendliness, right? Like, that's what yeah. you're manipulating with. Yeah. Okay. Um, how are you feeling? I think powerful because I think they're feeling a bit hopeful but that maybe this new tactic might be more fruitful than their previous ones. Okay, cool. Make your roll. What is your powerful? My powerful is one, currently. Cool. That's a ten. Nice, you're rolling well today, unlike everyone else. How could you take all the good rolls away? <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, when you manipulate roll on a hit, they do it and choose one. So, you owe them tribute you're going to need to give them something up front. You need to do them a favour first, or you need to give a piece of yourself, body or spirit. Maybe give them something up front? I don't know that Sov would need any favours from Belka. Same goes for tribute. And it doesn't feel like a big enough manipulate for a piece of yourself, body or spirit. Sure, that makes sense. Do you have an idea of what the thing that you want to give them is? I guess a reason to talk to me? Okay, Might be a thing they sense. would want or need. Yeah, like that makes a lot of sense. So how are you framing that? Um, I guess if they look kind of doubtful at talking to yeah. me, basically a complete stranger, whether or not they like super believe it, it's going to be a tactic of helping people through this 
or understanding this was my job, but I can't do it until I know what happened. That makes sense. Like, th this is, like, very... Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it, but this is, like, very you going back to being a keeper, almost? Yeah, I think it's that first tentative, like, okay, well, just trying to do this like a regular person isn't working. Maybe I have yeah. to do that thing again. So I guess what what I'm giving up front is that information that isn't massively public. Yeah, like, I don't think you have to explicitly say it. I think mm. it's, like very readable in your actions and like the thing that you just said i think sov kind of the posture is like quite open before you ask the question and kind of closes up a bit i think their arms go from being on the floor to like picking a necklace around their neck i'm not really sure i don't know everything but i'm happy to help you so what i know is he he went south he was scouting as he normally does and he got ordered to go down there to, to see what the storm was that was coming. People said things about it. People, other scouts had picked it up and he, he went down. I think there were three or four of them he was with and they got caught up in it. He was the only one that came back. And he was, let, let's be honest. He's never been the most vivacious person. He's never been, he's never been that open, but. He definitely came back different. Sometimes, I don't think it's just the things that he lost, the people that he lost. Sometimes I look at him, not all the time, but sometimes I look at him and it's almost like he's not the same person. Like there's something else in there. And I'm not sure what. They look down and, yeah. Like almost like waiting to see whether you, want, you have any follow-up questions. I think that's probably going to be enough for them, actually. I think they're just kind of going to nod quite slowly. And I think they're not going to talk to Sov about this, but I think the first thought in their mind would be, obviously, Ioff has been in the storm, and obviously, Ioff and Belka are quite close. So I don't think he's told them about Chala's adventures specifically, because that's Chala's business. But I think, obviously, being in the storm upset him quite a lot, and he's probably talked to them about it. Yes, that's... Like, definitely true. I, I imagine a lot of that has happened off screen. Yeah. So I think knowing that they have this connection to what's happened to Callan has kind of happened to someone else, and there's someone they can talk to for more information is going to be enough. Like, like to piece the two and two together? Yeah, to piece it together a bit, or at least to, to maybe think, I have to talk to Iov again and figure out what really happened. Yeah, I think, like... Yeah, I think like the camera kind of like slowly drifts away as you you're kind of both talking. Maybe the conversation turns to like the landscape around you. I think Sov is very interested in that. I think both Callan and Sov are kind of similar in a lot of ways. They're very curious about the world around them. And for Callan, that's about it's very much about being a scout. Whereas like Sov is like much more about like learning things about the landscape. I think. And like maybe sees you as like a person who would know about that or or is someone they can talk to about that. And I think like the camera just kind of drifts out as you're talking about that and you can you can hear some of the words and then they just kind of muffle and fade as as it pulls back. So yeah, I think we I think after that shot we get a wide shot of people going about the things that have become routine, like packing up tents, packing up makeshift shelters, like rolling up bedrolls, making breakfast and food for the road and then extinguishing fires and over time, everyone gets ready to, to leave and continue 
closer and closer to eulogy. <laughs>